trusted voice of truth and light. God gave me a gift. I shovel well. I shovel very well. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. We've got a blind date with destiny. And it looks like she's ordered the lobster. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Well, hello there and welcome to the show. Oh, we have a lot to cover today. So much, in fact, that I'm very grateful that my friend Eric Peters from Eric Peters Autos has dropped by to help me make sense of it all. Eric, how are you this morning? Well, uh, I'm basking in the orange glow, I guess, which is a good thing <laughs> given how cold it is outside. <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting at a wind chill of minus 16 right now and just grateful <laughs> to be working indoors. Yep. Well, it, it looks like Orange Man cleaned the clocks in Iowa, and so we march inexorably toward uh, whatever is going to happen <laughs> as a result of the the intractability of, uh, of the orange momentum, I think. You know, one of the dilemmas that, that I face, and I, I know you are this way too because you're not looking for some dear leader to ride to the rescue and save us all. Um, I really believe Trump is probably going to be the, the nominee, and frankly, I think he has the best chance of, of winning. However, um, my, my grudging support is based more on the idea that uh, it's the people who have fought so hard against him, and I mean Republican and Democrat alike, what they represent to me is a greater threat than the orange man himself. Does that make sense? Precisely. Precisely. I agree. You know, I, I by no means trust the orange man and his beautiful vaccine pushing, among other things. But he does irritate the right people. And I can kind of get behind that. Well, it's and, and the desperation to that they're showing and the lengths to which they're willing to go. Why, we've got to decide who and what you can vote for or not, you know, in order to save our democracy, by which they mean our rule. Um, I mean, they're Correct. they're going in a very scary direction besides, you know, labeling half the country as domestic terrorists and a threat to, you know, to, again, our democracy. I just I don't trust them. Well, you know, that's just the thing, though. It's alarming, isn't it? They, they have set in motion now a chain of events that seems inexorable. Um, they have done everything they, they can, ironically, to make the orange man more powerful than he was before. And every single time they try to use lawfare against him, all they're doing is causing his support to wax, and that causes them in turn to become ever in turn to become ever more desperate in their efforts to to stop the orange man. And where's that gonna lead us? You know, it's gonna lead us to I think something not very pretty, whether it happens before the election uh, or on election day. I noticed that uh, Utah Senator Mike Lee had uh, thrown his support behind Trump. And I was a little bit surprised because I, I know Mike Lee, and, and he, Mike's one of the very principled guys that's, that's out there in the national legislature. But his reasoning actually made sense to me. And he just said, look, whether you like it or not, um, we really have more of a binary choice than, than we think. So he says, that's why I'm putting my support behind him. I was also impressed that Vivek Ramaswamy chose to drop out of the race and put his support behind Trump. And, and this guy's actually one yep. of the more articulate candidates out there. Yeah, you know, he's kind of in a way like a, a younger Ron Paul in that he's calm and deliberate and he engages in reasonable conversations with people. I think you and I talked last time about that session that he had with uh, a radical woke leftist at one of his events where instead of catcalling and yelling, they he actually just tried to respond and have a conversation with her. And I think that would have been great 20 years ago or 30 years ago. Unfortunately, we now live in this, this belligerent and chaotic time. And what matters is winning, unfortunately. And I think uh, 
the only way we're going to do that somehow is through Trump, not necessarily with him. I think the boon of Trump is that he has kind of awakened and is coalescing a resurgent American nationalism, uh, pride in, in America, and opposition to all of this this globalist, woke, evil stuff that's, that's tearing this country apart. And it doesn't even matter anymore that the orange man is the person who, who, who sort of caused all of that to begin to coalesce. Yep. I, I mean, it's it's encouraging on the one hand to see that, well, it's not quite as tight of a thing and people haven't really shied away from the orange man because of all the controversy, <laughs> the manufactured controversy. But uh, I still have to wonder, given the lengths that uh, the establishment has been willing to go, I, I have to wonder if they're, if they're even going to allow for an election. I mean, there's some pretty crazy stuff shaping up right now in the Middle East. Oh, and that's just one front. Uh, I think you're absolutely right. I think the scenario that we're dealing with probably is something analogous to the scenario that played itself out in the uh, Fuhrer bunker in the last months of, of the war of, of World War II in 1945, when it was just a scorched earth policy. Um, and I think Goebbels said something to the effect of, we may, we may go down, but we'll take the whole world with us. And I think that's the attitude of these people. Scary stuff. Now, um, we've got a nice cold snap going on. And, and of course, uh, I'm hearing from people who are, are having some pretty bad experiences with EVs. And I just think, well, you know, if they could <laughs> listen to Eric, they, they might have avoided yeah. some of the unpleasantness. Talk to me about uh, the, the problems cold weather poses for these uh, battery-run vehicles. Well, everybody by now probably knows about how cold weather affects range and also that it makes recharging harder. But one of the other catch-22s is it makes staying warm more costly. One of the, the perks that they tout about electric cars is that when you get in one on a cold day, uh, the heat starts up almost immediately because it's electric heat. You know, in a, in a car with an engine, the engine has to warm before it can warm you up. So it takes a couple of minutes typically for that to happen. But here's the key difference. You can keep the heat on and cranked in a car with an engine because it really doesn't cost you anything. The heat is a byproduct of combustion. It's a, it's, it's a way to use what would otherwise be waste heat to warm the vehicle. But in an electric car, it's kind of like running an electric space heater. It's very much like that, in fact. And as anybody who has one of those knows, those things consume a lot of power. Problem is that that's the only source of power in an electric car. So as you're running your heater, you're drawing down your battery's charge, which is reducing your range. So you've got this terrible choice of, well, hmm, do I freeze or uh, or do I keep going in order to not freeze to death by the side of the road? Oh, that is scary. Yeah, I uh, I, I think I, I told you a friend uh, was traveling and was offered one by, by a rental agency and was like, mm-hmm. no way at all. And I don't blame him. Mm-hmm. That's it's just it's too big of a risk of uh, the time spent having to charge it versus you know how far you're able to go. Yeah, that one is just mostly a practical matter. As anybody who's rented a car when they're in an unfamiliar city knows, these rental car companies typically will stipulate in the contract that you have to return the vehicle with X amount of fuel in it. And if you don't, because you were in a hurry, you didn't have time, uh, then they'll charge you some exorbitant rate for uh, for the gas that you didn't put in it. But with an electric car, you know, what if you can't find a place to charge? What if you get to the place and it's not working? What if you just don't have time to sit there for a half hour or an hour or however long it takes? And that's what a lot of people have been experiencing, and they don't want to experience that. So they want no part of the electric car, leading aside the problem of driving around in an unfamiliar place with a vehicle that might just end up stuck by the side of the road. 
Well, I'm going to try hard not to feel too smug with my gas-powered car, but uh, you actually had a a great article. I think it just came out this morning uh, mm-hmm. about for those, for those of us who are committed to, to remaining with the internal combustion engine and not adopting all of the latest doodads that are being required by the government, um, there are some things we need to be doing to plan ahead for the future if we want to keep those vehicles running, you know, for an extended period of time. Yeah, there's a growing trend of people who are uh, choosing to opt out of new vehicles. So there's that trend. Uh, but that trend is also being, I think, compounded by what we were just talking about a moment ago, which is this this realistic fear that we may be in for some very rough times over the next few months, over the course of this year, depending on how things go. And it might be something that lasts for several years, depending on how things go. So it might be a good idea to, to stock up on supplies you might not be able to get in the months and year ahead. And that includes things like tires, for example, it includes oil filters, uh, oil, um, basic tune-up parts, belts, hoses. Uh, I get into the list in the article itself, but the point is if you have these things on hand, you won't have to worry if you can't get them at the parts store. And also you probably aren't going to pay twice as much or three times as much as inflation does its work on the cost of everything in the months and year ahead. Yeah, and I don't want to stoke, you know, the the fires of, oh boy, you know, panic and we should all be scared. But uh, some of the stuff going on in the Middle East, I'm talking particularly the Red Sea, um, as I understand mm-hmm. it, the Red Sea is one of the ways that you can access the Suez Canal. Does anybody remember mm-hmm. what happened when a container ship got stuck in the Suez Canal and how that backed up global shipping for an extended period, for weeks, I think we suffered, sure. you know, from from some backlogs because of that interruption to shipping. Well, sure, there's that, and it's not just that. You can imagine if the the peaceful protests that are already happening in this country again, with regard to the the Palestinian-Israeli thing, where uh, these people are blocking traffic, uh, you know, if that if that begins to wax and becomes more serious. You add that along with uh, with uh, orange man hysteria, and before you know it, nothing moves anymore. And when nothing moves, the store shelves start to become empty, both of spare car parts and food. And I think that it's prudent and sound to take that into account and plan accordingly. Here, here. There's peace of mind in knowing that you have options, and uh, that means you don't have to make difficult decisions or join the panic when everybody else is realizing, oh, this just got yep. serious. Yep, exactly. Okay, we got to take a quick break. Eric Peters from ericpetersautos.com is my guest. If you check the show notes at thebrianheidshow.com, you'll find a link to Eric's website. Stay with us. We'll be back right after this. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. And we are back. Eric Peters from ericpetersautos.com is my guest. Eric, I saw an article that you published here recently about how to mm-hmm. make something pretty ugly. Or maybe it was how to make <laughs> something like pretty that? ugly. <laughs> yeah, I felt clever with myself with that headline. I had just enough coffee and, and, and the planets aligned, and I came up with that. And what the article's about uh, is the reveal earlier this week uh, of the uh, the 2025 uh, charger, which is the replacement for the charger and challenger that had been forced off the market by uh, all of those regulations that make it impossible to build V8 powered muscle cars anymore. So what we're going to get in its place is a battery powered device that looks pretty good, 
but it isn't what it's intended to replace. You know, Dodge sells uh, muscle cars, uh, and this thing is not a muscle car. A muscle car has to have a V8, otherwise it's not. It's a performance car, maybe, an electric performance car, but the catch for Dodge is that there are a lot of other electric performance cars out there, so they've lost what made Dodge distinctive, and I think they're going to have a very difficult time selling people who want a V8-powered muscle car on an electric battery-powered device that kind of looks like a muscle car. I love the comparison you made to, uh, it's it, it may look like a muscle car, but it's kind of in the same way that a hot mannequin at the department store looks yeah. like a hot woman, but it isn't. Right. It's ultimately a fake thing. You know, they're, they're trying to present something or, or they're, trying to, they're trying to trade off of the image of the Charger, which is a muscle car, uh, and, and, and get people to accept something that isn't because it looks like it. And, and that's what kind of gets my back up because it's fake. It's just another example of this, this ersatz fraudulent fakeness that, that seems to pervade our culture in these latter days. Well, and, and the crazy thing is we're supposed to just play along and pretend that, oh, no, no, this is all right and normal and this is reality. I think that's that's probably the biggest uh, challenge I'm seeing right now personally is people have you know, to choose. You, you touch on something really important. I've noticed that my colleagues in the car press do exactly that. They'll cover a story like that without making any mention of the reason why this is happening. They will write their articles in such a way as to present the the idea, it's implicit, that this is just a kind of a natural, normal thing. Look, it's Dodge Late. It's their latest model. Check it out. And instead of pointing out to people, there's a reason why this thing uh, is being foisted off on them. And there's a reason why the vehicles that Dodge was selling hand over fist and the people wanted, Dodge can't sell anymore. I think it's really important to let people know about those things. Yeah, but it also seems to be something people, I don't know, they choose to avoid it. You can choose to live in reality or you can choose to go along with uh, what's, at least for the moment, a comfortable lie. Seems like a lot of people have chosen to embrace the comfortable lie rather than uncomfortable truth. I think that's true. I think that's changing, though. Um, By no means has the majority come around to our point of view yet, but I do think, and I hope I'm right, I hope this isn't just the hopium I've been smoking, (laughs) that um, more people than ever within at least my adult lifetime are beginning to look behind the curtain and see and beginning to question and have decided that, no, they're not going to go along with this, uh, whether for reasons of convenience or politeness. And I do think that that's, that's what drove a lot of this. You know, most people just don't want a confrontation. They don't want to fight. Uh, what they want is to get up and go to their job, raise their families, do their thing, enjoy their hobbies. That's basically what Americans did for many generations. But it's becoming clear, I think, that they're not even going to let us do that anymore, that they're going to co-opt and take over and micromanage every last little corner of our lives if we let them. Here, here. I just, uh, I don't, I don't want to turn over that much control of my life, even though, you know, we're being persuaded. This is the easier way to go. It, it seems like it, it still makes us, uh, you know, servants or, or do I dare say it, slaves at some level. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the upside of this, I think, if it goes the right way, which I'm hoping that it does, is people will, will really become militant about it. And, and no longer will they accept a degree of control and put up with things that are annoying. But, you know, hey, overall, my life is good. I'll deal with it. I think a point will, ha- will, will be arrived at uh, at which people say, that's it. I'm done. Enough with all of this. I reject it in toto, the whole thing. You can pound sand. I'm not doing it, period. And I do love that spirit of resistance, Mm -hmm. (laughs) mainly because it's contagious. 
Speaking of contagious. Yeah, you remember when they used to teach kids that? (laughs) Right. You know, back in grade school, they would tell kids about the American Revolution and how, and the Boston Tea Party and all of these, uh, these, these insurrections, you know, that were once considered part of the American story. Hey, speaking of contagious, um, I, I'm hearing some rumbles about disease X, which uh, uh, I'd love to get your take on that if, if you have one. Well, the take is that, of course, they're probably planning another one. They succeeded magnificently with the first one. And lately, you know, the new thing is they've essentially pathologized the ordinary flu uh, and any other anything literally down to a cough now. You know, I wrote a couple of diaper reports about hospitals of all places starting to reinstitute these mask mandates because people were getting colds. You know, it's not enough anymore that it was just the Rona. Now, oh, there's the flu. Oh, there's RSV. You know, it's going to get to the point where if somebody uh, sneezes, oh, my God, it's time to lock down the country. Yeah, and I I just, I, I, I can't help but wonder if, you know, X, I know there's a lot of controversy, too much free speech yeah. on what used to be called yeah. Twitter. Is there a reason yeah. they're calling it disease X? It spreads because of the misinformation on X, right? You know, maybe, and speaking of that, I actually uh, wrote an article earlier today because I'm so exasperated and frustrated with, with X, which is just Twitter rebranded, and the way they will turn off and on a person's feed if it's wrong, thinkful. They do these things. It's harder to articulate what it is, but it amounts to you're put into a timeout room. You post something, but nobody can see it. They do this over and over again. I, you know, I've had to deal with this. I'm sure you've had to deal with it, and I'm done with it. Uh, I've moved over to Brighteon. I don't know whether you're familiar with that. That's, that's Mike Adams. Thing. He, the, the guy who has the natural news site, he calls himself the health ranger. Are you yeah. familiar with that? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And he doesn't, he actually practices free speech, unlike Elon Musk, who talks about it. Yeah. I, I actually, I saw your comment earlier on X about, uh, about how they have throttled mm-hmm. you back. And uh, I don't know, maybe I, I, I don't know enough about all the algorithms, but uh, I know that most of the voices out there who seem to be speaking the most common sense are, are the ones that are that are languishing in obscurity. That's right. It's very, very subtle. And, and I, I've tried to come up with objective metrics to prove that this is what they're doing. And I did latch on to some uh, earlier today. A number of people who follow me um, have said that they haven't seen anything from me on X in weeks, if not a month or more. Now, I post several things every day. So what happened to those things? How come people who follow me, who would be notified ostensibly, of something that I've posted, haven't seen anything of mine in weeks. Yeah, it's uh, it it feels like something more than just oh, just that's a curious oversight or even an accident. There's something very yeah. deliberate in, in how that seems to play out. You remember when we were kids and we'd watch Peanuts, and that uh, you know it's 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 a classic scene where Lucy holds the football and Charlie Brown tries to kick it, and of course at the last minute Lucy always pulls the football. That's what we're dealing with with the left, and I think it's a fool's errand to continue to try to play on the field with leftists because they don't play fair. They play to win, and you know the sooner that we understand that and we just decide we're not going to play, we're not going to play with with leftists anymore. Uh, we're not going to deal with them. They're not honest people. They're not fair-minded people. It's time to acknowledge that and move on to other venues where we can actually engage with one another fairly. I'm with you. I'm, I'm going to have to take a closer look at Brighteon just just mm-hmm. to see uh, if, if that makes sense. I mean, Rumble, um, I've, I have heard good things about, um, but I got to admit, old habits die hard. I still find myself, yeah. I want to find a video, I go to YouTube. I want to, you know, search sure. something up. Google is right there and so easy to go to. It's it's hard to break those habits. 
Oh, sure. You hit that nail on the head. It's easy. I mean, think about how all of us are using essentially the same smartphone, whether it's made by Apple or Google or whoever. It's all using the same big brother, creepy spyware monitoring, tracking technology. And why do we do it? Because it's convenient, because it's easy. We can send a text. We can snap a picture of something. We can send it to our friends and families. It's convenient and it's easy. That's a narcotic, and I think we have to be very careful about becoming addicted to it. No, here, here. If we if we uh, are successfully separated from our freedoms, it's going to be because we willingly laid them down because it was convenient. Mm-hmm. That's a scary thought. Exactly right. Eric, thanks so much for taking the time to visit with me and with my audience today. I appreciate you. Fine. And right. likewise. Stay warm, and uh, we'll check in again next week to see what kind of hijinks are going Indeed. on. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. And a special thanks to my sponsors, including, well, lifesavingfood.com for starters, quiltandsew.com, tmcpnation.com, and of course, ironsightbrewingcompany.com. That's ironsightbc.com. If uh, you're a coffee aficionado, this is one you should, you should probably click on the link and see how easy it is to uh, begin a subscription that brings that uh, fresh aromatic coffee from the roaster to your cup in less than 72 hours. By the way, it's run by my friend John Harvey, who is a great guy and a patriot to boot, so you'd uh, you'd be supporting the right people in supporting this company. All right, there was a thought I wanted to share with you. This one popped up on, on Facebook. I don't spend much time on there anymore because, well, frankly, they throttle back so much information that, uh, I mean, you can stay in touch with friends, but if, if you're looking for good thought-provoking content, mm, it has to fit within these parameters and it can only be woke. <laughs> it's It's hard to do it, but... I did find something that uh, that I shared last year. I don't remember where I picked this one up, but it's a quote from Oberon Herbert. And sadly, that's a name not very many people are going to be familiar with. But uh, Oberon Herbert wrote about uh, the, the moral considerations of government force. So Frederick Bastiat wrote about the utilitarian considerations of why do we have the law? Why do we have government in the first place? Oberon Herbert took it a little bit further by going into the moral foundations of when is it proper and reasonable to exercise force against another person, to compel somebody to do something against his or her will. Here's the quote. How can an act done under compulsion have any moral element in it, seeing that what is moral is the free act of an intelligent being? One more time. How can an act done under compulsion have any moral element in it, seeing that what is moral is the free act of an intelligent being? Something to think about there. Because, man, there's a lot of... A lot of pressure being applied at every level. Now you will do this and you will do that. And, and it could be, you know, everything from your toilet will only flush this much in the name of saving the environment to your kids have to learn this uh, woke ideology or they have to understand that uh, they, even though they're young and really haven't figured out the world, are nonetheless a source of systemic racism in the world. It's being imposed by force. 
I'm seeing this play out right now in in my home state of Idaho, where uh, there's there's this incredible controversy that's arisen over a bill that has been introduced that would require public libraries, and that includes public school libraries, to keep salacious material out of reach of children. In other words, it's not banning books, it's not burning books, but it's saying they have to be removed from where kids, little kids, like minors, can access them. Because a lot of these books, which are are being sold under the guise of, well, this is just, you know, teaching tolerance and acceptance and making sure that uh, those who fall under this or that LGBTQ, blah, 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 and, uh, you know, umbrella, know that they're validated and that people value them. No, what what these books really teach is they specifically show in very graphic terms, usually with cartoons, but sometimes through dialogue, how to engage in certain sexual practices, particularly deviant same-sex kind of practices, and, you know, we're supposed to be okay. Well, this is great. This is why, this is how kids grow up to be good, well-adjusted people. No, it isn't. This is how you warp young minds and try to sow confusion, and, and who knows, maybe usher them into the arms of a, you know, industrial medical complex that's more than happy to shoot them up with hormones and, and hormone blockers and other uh, chemical castration or even surgical mutilation that will create a lifelong patient. I mean, from a monetary standpoint, yeah, it's, it's quite a cash cow. From an ethical standpoint, though, oh, no, this does not pass the test. And yet, you know, the, the people who, who are pushing to, to have these books accessible to kids everywhere, again, in, in public settings, paid for by taxpayer dollars, they're just insistent that if you if you don't want your kids to see that you don't want uh, this available to kids, uh, you know, freely available, that somehow you're you're being a book burner. It's crazy, and I know the idea of well, aren't we using force then by getting the state involved? The answer is yes. It it is it is inviting the state to draw a clear line with criminal penalties for those who knowingly furnish this kind of material to underage kids. But the crazy thing about it is this isn't some crusade that, you know, a bunch of right-wing religious nuts came up with, you know, to inflict suffering and, and lack of validation on, you know, the alphabet gang. No. This is reasonable adults, including many parents and grandparents, who are saying, you're not going to force that crap on my kids. And you're not going to bring it into them under the cover of, you know, taxpayer-funded facilities as if that gives it legitimacy. Sorry, I'm on a bit of a rant, but I think this has this has greater importance than many of us realize. And it's it's one of those things where yeah, culture circles the drain and sometimes it's obvious where there's decline taking place. This is one of those things where there's this pretense of but we're just trying to help the kids be more broad in their thinking. No, this is about warping their thinking, undermining their their understanding of reality. In fact, inviting them to uh, embrace falsehood as reality. So I really am on a rant here. This this kind of is the this is the measure of, of the time that we live in. For you to be a citizen in good standing, in other words, not attracting any kind of flack from your employer, from the government, from people within the media, or or you know people on social media for that matter. You have got to be willing to nod your head when absolute falsehoods are being paraded around as reality. I don't need to go into details, do I? 
right? We have to pretend that, oh, no, this is, man can have babies. Sir, yes, absolutely. No one here is advocating for, gosh, you know, these people look like they're having a real struggle. Maybe their gender dysphoria is causing them mental anguish. It's not about making their lives more difficult. It's about making sure you aren't drafted or co-opted into somebody else's fantasy. And that's important. More important than you think. I mean, look, you wouldn't go along with an anorexic girl telling her that, oh, yes, you're right. You do look like you put on weight. You should probably take some more laxatives and starve yourself a little bit more. You'd recognize that she has an unhealthy connection between what she sees in the mirror and what she actually looks like. I mean, look, I've known people personally, and I've known parents who've, you know, had daughters, and I don't know if there's sons that struggle with the eating disorders, but daughters in particular, who literally would starve themselves and sometimes to death because of a mental disconnect between themselves and reality. You don't encourage that. The loving thing to do is to continue to love them, but speak the truth and stay rooted in reality, which right now it seems like there's a lot that's, uh, that's aligned against us saying, no, 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 that, that, would, be, that would be terribly insensitive or at least not, not woke. All right, I'll jump off the soapbox here. This has just really been weighing on me. That uh, the, the, the biggest battle that most of us have to face on a day-to-day basis is, do we go along with the lie just for the sake of keeping the heat off of us? And sadly, a lot of people will do it, not because they're evil or because they're trying to impose, you know, any kind of, uh, of ideological outcome on, on the world, but just because they don't want to make waves, they don't want to draw criticism. Well, believe it or not, this is one of those times where you've got to be willing to draw criticism. In fact, coming up in the next segment, we're going to talk a little bit about how, you know, th- there's a recurring theme that we are seeing right now particularly in the political debates. And it's that growing inability to tolerate others unless you can control them. By the way, just for the record, saying, no, thank you. I'm not going to play along with this or refusing to participate in the lie. That's not trying to control other people, although the ones pushing the lie will most definitely try to portray it as such. But that's not what it is. Got a great article. In fact, the article of the day, which I will share with you coming up in in the next segment. Also, we will touch on a couple of other articles that uh, I think speak very well to the situation we find ourselves in today. Um, Jeffrey Tucker's got a great article about the professional managerial class, how it's alienated from the public, and, well, as, as you might guess, it's the kind of thing that just can't go on indefinitely. Who's pushing this narrative of you must embrace this, you must believe this, you must act as if, you know, your car is what's destroying the planet? Yeah, it's the professional managerial class, the elite, some in politics, many of them not, but they've all decided this is what's best, and by gosh, you're going to toe that line. Also got a great commentary from Jeff Thomas on reasons why the elite are seeking an end to progress. It's not just that they're making a mistake. In many cases, they're deliberately doing the wrong thing and requiring that you and I go along with them. This is why you've got to be solid in knowing who you are and what you stand for so that you can put your foot down and say, no, I'm not going along with that. This is The Brian Hyde Show.
This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. Yes, I know I'm on a bit of a tear today, but doggone it, some of this stuff just needs to be said. If, if only for the reason that uh, there are people who are just feeling very isolated and alone and wondering, is there anybody out there who still sees reality? I'm not the only one who sees it. I'm just one voice out there encouraging you, please stay strong. You may feel like you're very alone right now, but you're, you're really not. And there are other people out here who see what you see and perceive what you perceive. By the way, uh, just a quick touch on uh, if you have the perception that the folks in power aren't just making a mistake, but they're deliberately doing the wrong thing, you are not wrong about this. Got a great article from Jeff Thomas. This is from uh, lewrockwell.com. An End to Progress. And he talks about uh, the, the, the categories in which people are coming to the conclusion that dr- the directions taken by our leaders are not only the wrong thing to do, but the exact opposite of the right thing to do. He talks about it in terms of economics. He talks about it in terms of economic legislation, social legislation, and breaks down why is it that we are reaching an end of progress. And he has three theories about uh, how this comes about. But the, but the bottom line here is, whichever of these theories may be correct, if, if, if any of them are, he asks, so is this just an academic discussion, a curiosity for the brain to muse over? Jeff Thomas says, no, not at all. Regardless of our own personal perception of what's causing the present condition, he says the objective for us all should be to be as open as possible to all interpretations. The closer we understand the situation, the more likely we are to create an ability to step away from the fray and avoid becoming a casualty of it. Okay, that's very solid advice. Also, I want to recommend Jeffrey Tucker's article, Just How Alienated Are Our Masters and Commanders? Now, we just had the uh, Iowa caucuses yesterday. Trump walked away from it with a landslide. By the way, wasn't that interesting? Vivek uh, Ramaswamy, who uh, was, uh, look, I'm, I'm not trying to promote the guy as, hey, he was the answer to our prayers, but was making a whole lot of sense out there in terms of being willing to push back, call out the media narrative, and right to the faces of these reporters. I mean, I've, I've never seen reporters go into a hard reset quite as often as when they, they throw some gotcha question at, uh, at Vivek and he just would turn it right around on him and tell him, this is why you're wrong. And they blah, 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 blah. <laughs> They didn't know what to do. But he has apparently dropped out of the presidential race and uh, put his support behind Trump. That's going to make a lot of uh, Trump supporters very happy. But, uh, you know, there's still the Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley, you know, uh, groups that, that are supporting these candidates. And and I don't know. Look, I don't. I, for, for the record, I don't believe that, that Trump is the answer to our prayers. I do believe this, though. The cabal, both Republican and Democrat, who are trying so hard to prevent him from from being elected again or prevent us, in that sense, from even voting for whom we want to vote to, whether it's Trump or somebody else, they got to be stopped. And if they're not stopped, well, the, the consequences are going to get severe, even more severe, more quickly. I mean, we've got 
serious World War III type stuff going on right now in the Middle East. Iran attacked places in uh, Iraq yesterday, including the U.S. consulate and Israeli intelligence agency headquarters. This is serious stuff. And it's it's not a good time to to just say, well, you know, Kesara, Sara, whatever will be, will be. Um, I by the way, I, I'll I'll register this this concern. I know Trump. If Trump runs, if he is allowed to run, if the election actually goes through, I think this guy probably will carry the day. The problem is, we have we have some very real concerns and very real uh, threats from the possibility of, of right-wing dictatorship as far, I mean, as well as, as the, the left-wing dictatorship that's that's been coming about. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not just the personalities that are at stake. It's the very nature of the system itself. It has morphed into something that is off its leash, out of control. And that's that's where we have to be looking for solutions. And I don't think we're going to be able to vote the kind of solutions that need to be taking place. You know what needs to happen? In a nutshell, decentralization. Breaking up those power centers. Now, I'm not talking violently. I'm talking withdraw consent, make them obsolete, return as much of that governing power and authority to the lowest possible level at which you can solve problems. That could be the home. That could be the individual. It could be the community, the county, even the state. But something's got to give. Anyway, I strongly recommend Jeffrey Tucker's article. Um, the, he, he very clearly outlines the disconnect between us and the elite. And he notes, how this ends, no one knows. Nothing like this has shaped itself with this intensity in an industrialized democracy before. Someone needs to figure out the peaceful exit ramp in a hurry, ideally through some ruling class contrition, in other words, they admit, okay, we were wrong, and some institutional reform because he says the present gulf that separates the people from the increasingly rarefied elite cannot endure much longer. Look up the term revolutionary gap sometime. You might, uh, you might be surprised and maybe just a little disturbed by what you see. All right, last but not least, I want to share with you an article from, I hope I'm saying this name, Salome Sibonex. I, I'm I'm butchering this individual's name, but the article is on Substack. This is the Black Sheep, wetheblacksheep.com. <laughs> I love this one. Uh, left, right, center, or upside down, control freaks abound. Politics aren't the problem. They're just the means to an ugly end. And here it says, you can't make a move or state an opinion without confronting the real pandemic of our time, which is... Control freaks. The loudest people today are the ones who are most certain they alone have everything figured out. Everything. Which ideas are worth debating, how you should raise your kids, what makes a relationship good, what political beliefs you should have, and of course, how the entirety of our society should be run. There's no need for you anymore. That is, you, who's an individual with unique experiences, insights, and the desire to forge a life of your own. The you that control freaks want is a body with a social security number that grants them the ability to sway society through social pressure and majority rule. All that extra stuff you call individuality, that's an obstacle to making you a cog in their machine. Because what's the point of other people if you can't make them do what you want? 
Oh, that hits hard. Instead of living out the unique life that each of us has, the pressure from those who want control over us has pushed many people to pursue conformity. Whether it comes from parents, peers, or authority figures, people learn to give control freaks what they want early in life. Now, it should be restated every day, at least. We live in strange times. Now, we all know this, but it's easy to acclimate to the weirdness and forget just how strange our times are. So we focus on the big examples, war, political polarization, TikTok transmitted illnesses. The truly strange stuff is more subtle, though. It's the way your online reputation is increasingly more valuable than your real-world reputation. It's the way your government and strangers in far-off countries have access to your attention anytime you check the news or your phone. It's the way our migration into massively populated cities and our constant connection to all of humanity online makes humans seem less precious and more disposable. All the right ingredients are coming together to make your individuality worse than useless. And as our culture becomes one where the appearance of being a good person surpasses the importance of actually being good, the way we value others is also mutating. More people are losing their tolerance for anyone who isn't like them. While we act like our political differences amount to a battle between good and evil, the truth is less extreme. Some people value freedom more than care, and others value care more than freedom. This is the normal spectrum of different beliefs and values we encounter daily, whether among friends, colleagues, or the neighbors we now ignore. These are the old, inevitable differences that have shown up since the birth of electoral politics, where we routinely face the reality that about half of our country is more liberal or conservative than the other half. But as talking heads, curated news feeds, and infinite block lists invade our lives, it's getting harder to recall the value in tolerating our differences. Trust degrades quickly when the threat of being controlled by strangers looms too closely. We were once incentivized to accept occasional losses to the other side as the cost of democracy, but when it seems like one side is playing for keeps, few will give an inch. Now, I've got to tap the brakes here because, unfortunately, we are up against the clock. But you will find this in my show notes at thebrianheidshow.com. Show notes for January 16th, 2024. This is the article of the day. I would recommend you check this one out. It's a dandy. And thanks again for tuning in. I know there are many voices to choose from. Thanks for letting me add mine to, to the fray and hopefully make some sense out of what's a crazy situation. This is The Brian Hyde Show.